Here's the situation, Rush. A crime scene investigation team is going to go to your house and dust for prints. They will be able to detect fingerprints from the last month, and I'd like you to guess what they will find and answer to a few questions that I have. Great. Uh, a little nervous about that one, but okay. Uh, I'm Rush Howell. I'm TJ Jagadowski. And this is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. This week's theme, TJ, is prints fill up. Correct. All right, and that came from you, and that is a pun on... Prince Philip. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought it was... Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did. I thought it was <laughs> Prince Philip. Uh, no, I liked it. So, but it's... Uh, it's spelled Prince, P-R-I-N-T-S. Yep. And then fill is the word, and then up. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, as with every week, I'm going to be giving you situations you haven't heard before. You're going to answer those. You'll give me situations I haven't be- heard before. I'll try to answer those. Yep. And uh, I will kick us off. All right, If you're buddy. ready to roll. I'm ready. All right. Here's the situation. Mm. Uh, I believe there's only one state in the nation where you're not allowed to pump your own gas. That comes from fill up. Oh, yeah. And I believe that's New, New Jersey. Jersey, right? Yeah. yeah. So you are uh, conscripted by the uh, by the <laughs> United States idiosyncratic state law uh, division uh, to, <laughs> to tell me which state these other okay. goofy... <laughs> <laughs> uh, laws could would occur most likely in. Now, okay. these may be things that are true in some state, or they may not. I didn't right. research them. And then after that, we're going to have you provide some goofy state laws that might only come up in uh, a few states I'll name. Okay. Okay? So, again, uh, there's only one state in the nation where you're not allowed to pump your own gas. That's New Jersey. So I'd like to know where, if there was only one state that said you cannot sell energy drinks to children under 18, uh-huh. which would be, of our 50 great states, <clears throat> which would be the one to say that? Texas. Why do you say that? They all got guns. Okay, so they just shouldn't have They should not drinks? be all revved up, uh, revved up and loaded up. Right, but isn't it unlikely that Texas would have that law? Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's as unlikely... That uh, Mississippi and Alabama and, and Oregon would have that law, right? Right. I'm asking you not which one should, which one is most likely to. Okay. Sorry. Um, I didn't make that clear at all. Which one is most, I th- uh, gotcha. I thought, uh, okay. Which one is most likely to have that law? Uh, California. Okay. And why do you say that? Mm, pretty health conscious. Uh Pretty health conscious spot, and uh, they wouldn't want their their kids having all those chemicals and ingredients and stuff right. like that. I like it, and for the uh, going forward, we'll do the one you think is most likely, and okay. the one where you think it well, should be true. Okay, great. Uh, next one is in this state. For some reason, children don't have to go through security in the airport. Oh, they're, they're good to go. Vermont, man. Okay, you think that's where yeah. it's most likely? That yeah, seems right. Don't worry that about just it. seems right. Uh, and where should that be true? Vermont. <laughs> okay, all right. So both on both. Uh, next one. Uh, in which state do public schools have to have bowling alleys in them? Oh, uh, Wisconsin. Funny, I also had it as Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's just natural. We just think Wisconsin's a big bowling state. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, which state says... No weddings on Fridays. Can't have a wedding on a Friday night. Uh, that feels like a that feels like my home state of Massachusetts. Mm, why do you say that? It feels like that would be some throwback to like the puritanical blue laws of okay. like you you have to have it on you know like in, initially 
that you could only have them on Sundays. And then they opened it up a little bit, like when how the church, you can have Saturday masses now. They're like, okay, you can have Saturday too, but no way on Friday that that will not be that will not be allowed. Okay. Uh, and which state just says no more jet skis? Oh, um, hmm. I mean, that law would only last for a little while yeah, before it was challenged. I was going to say Florida, but that's such a garbage state that yeah. like they would be like, you can't tow more than one keg behind your jet ski, but okay. they wouldn't get rid of them right. entirely. So I'm going to say uh, Oregon. Okay. No jet skis in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Environmentally conscious, green state, you know, like we're, we're going to do away with those. They're basically lawnmowers of the ocean. Now I want you to give a uh, one weird state rule that could pop up in the following states. Okay. Again, similar to the ones we've been talking about, right? So I'll give you a state, and you just say, this is an idiosyncratic rule that I could see happening in this state okay. and only in this state out of all 50. All right. Um, let's start with your home state, Massachusetts. The the great state of Massachusetts, um, no, more than, no more than six sports flags on your porch. Okay. There's just there's oh, yeah. there's too many yeah and the state is like this is causing some problems yeah. yeah you can you can get you can get the four majors you can put up like one for the New England Revolution um, after that like okay your college your college team you can put up one for like BC Eagles anything more than that like we're shutting we're yeah. we're, we're coming by and, and it's just like they're snapping off they're yeah, flying in they're hitting windshields people are confusing <laughs> it for like a general sort of governmental meeting home you <laughs> yeah, know right. with this many flags outside and yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's overflagged. <laughs> it's wildly overflagged. Uh, okay, uh, next, uh, I'm picking a state I know to be perhaps your least favorite state, and that is the state of Florida. Oh, yeah. Uh, Florida is like, you can't, let's say you're going to murder someone by gator, by by like luring them to be eating eaten by gators. Yeah. You can't invite more than five people to come watch. Okay. So you'd have, or you'd, that, that, if so, you'd have to apply for a special entertainment license. So your, your view on Florida is so negative that you think they have statutes that are like, Dude. while you're committing murder, There's, which is illegal, yeah. in any state, right? Uh, You'll be we charged got, we for the secondary. Some, crime. We have to put some minor restrictions <laughs> if you bring more than five people to watch to this watch Gator. Correct. Yeah, and, you you have to at least apply for the permit. We might grant it to you, but you have <laughs> oh, okay. at least to apply for that permit. That that's now you're yeah. now you're an you're an entertainment venue and you have to you have to apply. All right, which state would be most likely to add a law that says uh, all lottery? If you're for each lottery ticket scratch off that you make, you have to make uh, at least fifty percent of them have to cost a dollar or less. Oh, uh, Mississippi. Hmm. All right, and then finally, I'd like you to give me a. Uh, an idiosyncratic rule that would come from the state of Illinois, where we live. Oh, okay. Illinois. Um, you can, <laughs> it, um, yeah, you, you better have a real good reason for going to Indiana. <laughs> oh, no. So they just put somebody at the border. Yeah. It's the only state to state border in the country where if you're not from Illinois and you yeah. drive into Indiana, they're like, hey, no problem. Yeah. If you're from Illinois, they're like, how come you're going? In there? Yeah. And we want a time limit because we don't want we don't want too much Indiana to rub off on you. Oh, well, I mean, you would be constantly being like you would have had a long history of like having to check into in, in Indiana oh, yeah. for uh, riverboat gambling. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they might redirect me, in which case like, OK, I'll head down to Elgin. You know, like yeah. I'll, I'll find other, I'll go to Juliet or whatever, but yeah, yeah, yeah they would. You can make it work. I, 
<laughs> if I just said like, hey man, I'm gonna gamble for four hours and fill up, fill up on gas, yeah. they'd be like, Okay, there you go. I will tell I I, I enjoy the state of Indiana. Uh, and so for our Indiana listeners, they're on they're on Team Howell, not Team Jagodowski. Oh yeah, you gotta have them. Uh, yeah, and same with California. I love California. You hate it. Yeah, we're both pretty anti Florida. Yes, I was. Beth and I were driving to a wedding of our of my friend Ryan Mahoney down in uh, uh, in Ohio, and we you know pass, had to pass through downstate Indiana on the way there. We get and we brought our dogs. We got out at a dog park to walk them. There was a guy sitting there next to his motorcycle. I'm like no no problem. Like. He he wasn't worried about anyone seeing him with a white pride ride 2012 t-shirt on Mm. sitting there, you know, like waving to people as they, as they, you know, took their dogs into the park. And I was trying to think like, man, what can I say to this guy to take him down and peg? And I didn't think later until that was like, oh, you thought 2012 was white pride, man. 2013 was when it really started getting going. Oh, 2012 was lame as hell. Yeah, he definitely wouldn't expect that that atti- that yeah. that uh, heckling approach. That yeah. that is the picture, you're gonna find the white pride guy in all 50 states. Though. More of them in Indiana. Yeah, probably. Yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> um, okay, there we go. That right. that was mine. That came from fill up uh, in terms of filling up gas. Here we go, Rush. Here's the situation. I'm going to give you a time frame, Rush, and an event or object, and I'd like you to tell me how many of these objects or events in that time frame before you're just filled up. Got it. Don't need another one. Don't necessarily want another nice, one. Nice. Good. Cool. I was struggling to come up with a situation like this, so I'm glad you, you yeah, found a way. and we'll I see like how it, it works. So, yep. um, um, so your time frame is a lifetime. Okay. And your event or object is a wedding. Um, I'm going to say... 100. 100. Okay, yep. great. Do you know where you are in the uh, in that number? Maybe 80. Okay. Oh, great. So you got you got 20 more until you're you're I'm fine with weddings. That's a lot of weddings. It just weddings. depends. It's a little unfair cuz lifetime is tough mm-hmm. because there there were years where I went to seven or eight weddings and I would say this. I think I've said it before and it's not untrue. It very rarely, very rarely have I ever finished a wedding and said, oh, I wish I wouldn't have gone to that. I always have a good time. But when I, in those years where I was having seven or eight weddings a year, That's a ton. It, was too, it was too much. Uh, so when you think about it, I think you really want to go to one to two weddings a year is a really nice number. And I did enjoy going to weddings when I was- Seven or eight, that's was, all summer long. You're just, you're just gone every weekend, right? Oh, yeah. Gee. I mean, and, and there, was a, there was a year where I had six summer weddings in- you know, and all six were in different states. Uh, th- that was like the, the hot years when I was probably 28, 29 years old. Oof. Too much. Okay. Um, but I like them now. I'm thrilled to go to a wedding now. I hear you. I, I like watching people profess their love or confess their love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one time you mentioned that I'm not totally sure that I go to the wedding. For I hear the, you for the bride. For and groom. We might go for different reasons. <laughs> I, I usually go to kind of have a good time, see some people. I don't have good times anymore. Um, so you mentioned this one time. I know you yeah. had gotten burned out on a on a week with these, but yeah. uh, I'm going to give you the time frame is a month. Month cheesesteaks. Oh boy, yeah. You know, I still haven't had a cheesesteak. That was probably six months ago that I did that terrible. I, I don't. I lost my mind. Loaded up. I had five cheesesteaks, honestly, in, in, in either four or five days. <laughs> and I, I still, even now, talking about it, I'm like, I don't want a cheesesteak. Um, I would say in a month, I shouldn't have more than 
four cheese sticks. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. One a week would have been okay back in back before I did whatever I did mm-hmm. to my my Where you really system. blew it out. Yep. Yeah, I, I think next time I go back to Princeton will probably be the next time I have a cheese stick because okay. theirs are so good. How about one year? And the uh, event is a beginning-to-end televised sports event. I would say... I'm going to say 104. Okay. Two a week. All right. I think that's... So last year, I watched more than 104 sporting events and by last year i don't really mean a calendar year i think about it in my in terms of my fantasy league that goes all year uh and i i did this strategy in my fantasy league where i really heavily focused on college basketball and i was in contention to win the league and and so i watched i owned a lot of college basketball teams and i probably watched a hundred college basketball games because i try to watch as many princeton college basketball games as i can because okay. my friend coaches that team and then I, I just watch. I probably watch every, not every. I probably watch fifteen Duke basketball games. I own them, and I watched twenty five from the NCAA tournament at least. I watched an absolute ton, and it was too much. Okay, so you were a fill up. Oh yeah. Okay. And I, I and it was also stressful because it, ma- it they mattered to my whether it's going to win or lose this fantasy league. Okay, I know right. the last thing in the world anyone wants to hear about is someone else's <laughs> fantasy league. Uh, but it was. We it just was want to hear much. complaining about it. I'm not. We can hear. About it. Yeah, we can hear talk about it. I'm not whining yeah. about it. Yeah. But it was. Um, that it was too much. Okay. And, and I don't know. I watch. I really do watch a lot of sports. You know what? That's wrong because tennis I watch so and... many tennis matches. I'll probably watch Federer play forty matches start to finish a year, and then I'll watch at least another forty tennis matches because during the Grand Slams. I love, I mean, yeah. I love getting up before work, you know, five in the morning. Here comes Wimbledon. It's uh-huh. awesome. I watch a match in the morning. Uh, I tape the other matches. I watch those before I go to bed. During the Australian Open, I fall asleep watching tennis matches. I love watching. I- I'm going to say 250. I'm okay. changing the 250. <laughs> Get yourself a little room. Yeah. So this one's a little different, Rush. Um, this is during the course of a week. How many of these until you're like, hey, I'm filled up with this. Someone confusing you for someone else. Three? Three? Okay, great. Doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I hear you. The fourth one, you got to think something's up, right? Yeah. That happens four times in a week, then something, oh, yeah. something's going on. The, I'm getting I'm getting annoyed, though, on the third one. Okay, yep. One year is your time frame. Amusement park visits. I would say uh, two is good, three is too much. Okay, great. How about a life... I average- Zero point two. Okay, I say average zero point two. But I, I would not if if I went to Cedar Point once a year and Six Flags once a year, that'd be totally fine with me. Great. And the third one would be like, man, eh, this is one too many. Well, if somebody said if I went to Cedar Point, and then somebody if I, let's say I go to Cedar Point May first, okay, somebody in July says you want to go to Six Flags, I say okay. All right. Then somebody calls me the September. next yeah September and says, hey, we're gonna go to. Kings Island, I'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, cool. I, I can't, All I right. can't, I can't justify a third amusement park trip in a year. Oh, and here's one thing I was thinking too is that if if I give you lifetime and you actually think like, oh, I could take more than my lifetimes of these, you can go above your what you think your life expectancy would be. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, a lifetime rush of um, watching the Oscars. 
however many I've seen minus one. Okay. So <laughs> I there aren't many things in my life that I've turned on more than the Oscar. Like when I and it has nothing to do with anything political mm-hmm. or anything to do with anything about yep. it. I just when I was eighteen from from basically nineteen ninety to like nineteen ninety nine, I just loved the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in college, I, I would make sure I watched it. I cared about it, and I just stopped caring. Yep. And then I, I briefly revived caring about it because uh, a, f- a friend of mine put me into a fantasy league where you would, <laughs> you would bet on who would win the various movie awards, and it was a great idea because it made it all so much more fun. Right? Because I, but but really, since about two thousand, I, I don't know, two thousand four or something. I, I don't watch and I don't care. I watched when Jordan won it because I wanted to see that and that was awesome. And I don't have any real problem with the Oscars, honestly. I just think that I, I don't know what happened to me, but I'm just like, oh my God, my Sunday night is like sacred. Yeah. I get to rest up and enjoy it. The last thing I'm gonna do is watch four hours of, of this garbage. Yeah. I think I watched them a bunch even for like trivial reasons to know like, you know, best actor, best actress. And I, yeah, I, I also could not care less. It's past like not caring less. I have some sort of like anger against it somehow. I don't know where, how I developed it, but I got Yeah, it. me too. And and again, I don't want to be taken the wrong way because it has nothing to do with anything related to, you know, because there's all this controversy about the Oscars. And I couldn't care less about the controversy. Like, I don't care that they went from five movies to nine or ten or whatever. I don't care that, like, maybe some superhero movie should or shouldn't. I don't care that people now think, oh, it's it's too biased towards yep. minorities who were unfairly treated before. I just, there's just something about, I think maybe what I don't like, if I'm really getting at the core of it, might be of just, like, it's just too self-congratulatory, yeah, and that was yep. something I could deal with better as a younger person than I can uh, as an older, more. I think as a person. kid, we thought they deserved it more somehow. They were movie stars, of course they should be here. Like, uh, and now, like, I, I think maybe that goes to near the heart of it for me as well. Also, both you and I, even but you way less than me, go to movies in the theater less than we used oh, to, and so right. back in the day, I was a little bit more invested in who would win. Interest, yep, absolutely. And now I, I don't have that. It, because if you don't have the rooting interest, like, yeah. who cares? Yep. All right, Rush, how about in one day is your time frame, getting hit in the head with um, the larger, like, s'more-sized marshmallows? Well, I don't want to be hit any times. None? In the head by the by a large marshmallow. Okay. I mean, it's not a huge one, just, you know, the s'more-sized ones. Just not, just bigger than the like hot cocoa Like, if you threw ones. a marshmallow into my head, I'd be like, <laughs> hey, don't, no, don't do that again, please. <laughs> I don't want to be hit in the head. I think I could tolerate a few of them. I, there's a difference between tolerate versus like w- want another one, right? Right, and I, I yeah. don't, I don't no, want you'd anybody be full to. Up, you'd be full up at one. I have never been a big fan of, um, you know, like, uh, it just. I was about to say like unwanted physical contact, yeah. and then I was like, well, who the? I mean, nobody wants that, right? But I, I, I like horsing around. Yeah, was I was never into it, like. You grab ass, slapping somebody with a towel. I never understood any of that. I was like, "Don't invade my physical space." And like, if you throw a marshmallow into my head, oh. I mean, I'm not gonna like blow I mean, this up. This isn't like a this isn't getting a rat tail snapped at you. This is just like a marshmallow, in right? Your but head. I'm like, I, I don't understand uh, the fact that you would take pleasure in hitting me in the head with a marshmallow. I'd be like, <laughs> I, "This is juvenile. Uh, you shouldn't do that." I think I, I think I, 
I think around fifty. What's I could take around, around fifty. <laughs> nothing, nothing now. Never mind now. <laughs> okay. uh, all right. How about a lifetime rush of high fives? That's gonna be really high because, you know, I don't. You've already done a bunch, and you ain't done yet, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm not even close. Yeah. But part of it is, I don't really know too well how to interact with little children. Uh-huh. And so one thing I do is like I give them high fives a lot because I'm afraid of them. You know, sure. I'm afraid to like lift them or <laughs> you know anything like that. So a high five is like a good safe one to do. Like, and I didn't grow up. We didn't. Ever a lot of do... people asking you to pick up their kids. I don't know what you're supposed to do with these children. Not, you know, there's not a lot of requests to, to lift them, but Rush, you know, you got to hold. Joshua's them. about to step in that lava. Yeah, oh, pick him up. I don't know. I don't think. I think I'm going to just high five that him. one. I would know what to do. <laughs> I would know what to do there, and that is get out of there. Because why am I close to lava? Uh, you want one more? I like high fives. Uh, sure. Uh, one day, I, uh, this we're not even close to my film. <laughs> you could do twenty more of these; I'd be perfectly happy. So this is the last one I have. I'll try and come up with more. To, this is to satiate you. Um, one day of non-romantic kisses on the cheek. So funny, so funny that you say that because I was in uh, just a moment ago was was trying to say how you know I I'm not used to the like picking up the kids, the- mm-hmm. but I was also going to say my family like we never did that. I don't really understand. I'm not great at that sort of, I'm not even good at the hug. You know, I don't ever know when to do the one arm hug and exactly how to, I'm not a great, uh, informal, uh-huh. uh, like party greeter. I'm good with the handshake. I'm okay with the like side hug with the one arm side hug, but the, the, like, I don't do that. So I don't like it. And it makes me uh, uncomfortable, not because of the invasion of the physical space, but because of the, I'm not really sure exactly, like, when do you go to the two cheeks versus uh-huh. one? And I don't understand it all. Domestically, you don't ever have to worry about two. Okay. But I don't even like... When I, you travel, then you have to start It's not it my out. thing. I don't like the rom- non-romantic kiss on the cheek. So, so zero is full uh, up. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> that was it. All right, great. Hey, what are you doing with that bag of non-romantic kisses over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hershey's has really lost its way. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, TJ. Yeah, buddy. Here's the situation. Yep. You're invited to a show called Photographs of Your Life. Okay. So you just hear, photographs of your life, TJ. It's photographs of your life. <laughs> and you come out, and there's a host there, and uh, they say, here, here's what you do. Uh, we've asked you. Yeah. Uh, we bring celebrities on here, and we understand that you are well-known from uh, your color commentary on all sorts <laughs> of food drafts. And so uh, we, we bring out celebrities, and we ask them to show us a photograph from their life at each quarter of the way through their life. So our understanding is you're about 47, 48 years old, Mr. Jagodowski. Mm-hmm. And so ah. uh, we're, we'd like to see, you, you've brought with you one photo from when you were 12, mm-hmm. one from when you're 24, one from when you're 36, and one from when you're 48. And you've chosen them as somehow significant to you, somehow encapsulating some part of your life that we can talk about. And it's our way of doing our interviews on photographs of your life. Each quarter of the way through. So if you could describe for us, here you've brought this first photograph. And tell us what this is. This is from you at 12 years old. And why was this memorable and important to you? Uh, well, um, a lot of my most kind of distinct um, memories of this time and photographs, uh, t- things that would have been photographed. You have to understand, when I was 12, 
fewer photographs were taken. Right. You didn't have a ton of options Correct. when you went back. You'd lost some of them to time. Yeah. I understand. So my little brother, Todd, was born on August the 15th, and I was born on September 2nd. So we'd usually have a shared uh, combined birthday party nice. in between the two, you know, like the 22nd of August or whatever. And his friends would come, and my friends would would come. And usually we get something matching, like like this, where we have matching three-quarter three quarter sleeve baseball Oh, nice. Baseball yeah, shirts the, on. These are great. You guys yeah. both have the... Same number. Yeah. <laughs> and you got the red for the Red Sox on the arms, I guess. And this day, um, my Uncle Gary, we had this... Um, in my hometown, there was a, a small ski resort called Mount Tom. It was you know, just kind of one hill, but they put in what was called an alpine slide, which was just a cement half pipe, basically. And you'd go down in a in a plastic sled and, uh, and you know, like... And you have a little handbrake on it to keep you from, from flying off of it. So my uncle Gary um, had us go, took my brother and I to go to the Alpine slide. And when we came home, it was a backyard surprise party and we got a tent. And that night, my brother and I got to sleep outside in the tent. Wow. Which was super cool. We had a yard roughly the size of this room, maybe smaller. Um, and we we stayed that night in a tent. And we felt like we were explorers and super cool. Great. How big was the age difference there? Three years. And so you got along well with his friends and he, he with your friends? Yeah, they were all neighborhood kids. We'd all play together and stuff like that. Yeah. Great. And who took that photo? That would have been my. All right. Yeah. Terrific. So now we go 12 years later. This is you at 24. 24. Now halfway into your current life. Yes. And uh, tell us about this photo that you brought that was a, a photo of significance to you from uh, that point in your life. As you can see, I'm uh, I'm dressed as a Sprite can. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had recently moved to Chicago and was finding any job that I that <laughs> I that I could. Um, I, I went to the to a temp agency and they said, you know, just fill out everything on here that that you can do, all the whatever skills you you are capable of. And the only ones I could fill out were lifting something fifteen pounds or more above my head and alphabetize. Oh wow. <laughs> This this I didn't have couldn't to do. Type. Did no, yeah, didn't, didn't know any computer things. Couldn't type at all. So uh, literally on a list of like two hundred things, I could check two of those things off. So at that point in time, that's fun. So that's a different. I'm I'm uh, the host here. Is uh, I'm forty two, mm-hmm. and so the difference in just that five six year period was dramatic in terms of computer education. Yes. So I take it neither in junior high, high school, college were you really focused on. Uh, computer type education. College, I had a. Uh, it was an electric typewriter, but it was a typewriter. Wow. There was no computer to it at all. The only computery thing I remember from college at any point um, was I would have. I was an RA. I had to work the front desk, and this guy Kenny Kenny Martinez, I believe, was his name. He was from Mexico. His family was in Mexico City, and he would come down and type to them on the on the computer there. They could mm. they could communicate for free that way because long distance was really expensive at the time. Right, and he introduced me to what was called a mud, I think. Yes, and that was my only basic, oh, my oh. only computer experience. I haven't thought about the muds in so yeah. long. Yeah, I did. And like, I did play one of so those. So what? You a newbie? And then yes. like some like the really experienced ones were like like I, and this was kind of like a a fantasy. Yes, like that's world. What they were, they and, were RPGs. Basically. Yeah, and so they were he the, was the, like a wizard, and he built. Like me, a house and a tree and stuff like that. They were the way, way, way precursor to like World of Warcraft type yeah. stuff. Yeah, and there was only a few things you could do, like walk, you know, walk west, walk west, um, look, 
you know, or or like lift. There was right. only like ten command words or whatever, but that was the sum total of my computer uh, experience. And that was probably done on AOL or Prodigy or don't something even like know. Yeah. Just remember the everything was the screen was orange or the the lettering was orange as opposed to to green. So um, nobody nobody had laptops. No. And did you did you even have like a computer lab that you could go into and send? If so I never went to one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, never used a computer through. So you just handed college. in typewritten yeah. papers. Yes. Yep. That is very interesting because uh, I did that, of course, in, or, no, I think I did by hand most of the time in high school. And then in college was the first time I would use a computer uh, to write up the papers. And then and then you'd have to go to the lab. And, and, and if they'd it. accept handwriting, I would have I would have done everything in handwriting. I think some did and some and some and some wouldn't because I was a painfully still am painfully slow typer. Mm. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, there you are. In a spray I can. was able to do this job. This was when the World Cup was in the U.S. And uh, I dressed up as a Sprite can and uh, went to uh, went to like Great America and stood outside of Soldier Field and got to see one of the games at Soldier Field as part of it. Nice. This is one of the only jobs I was qualified for. And so why does that stick in your mind? Why was that something that was uh, meaningful to you from that time? Because I then was willing to do just about anything to sort of make it here. To be able to like afford to live here and to feel like I was kind of on my own and um, and able to support myself, even if it was doing something as stupid as this, wearing tights and a, a fan on my belt and blowing up a can. Was there ever a moment when you said, I'm going to make it, I'm going to stick it out here in Chicago where you actually had a uh, either a, a, an epiphany or a, a slower build over like the course of a month where you just said, you know, I like... I can do this. The, the they're pretty much when I first moved here. I moved here in October of '93. A buddy of mine was supposed to move here with me, and then he ended up being unable to do that. I was by myself. Um, I knew I think one other person here, my friend Lisa, and uh, I had some real doubts as to whether I'd be able to do it. And then ended up running into. Uh, a couple other fellows who I went to college with, and then we all ended up living in a house together, five of us in in a house together. And once that started happening, and I felt like I had found you know a new tribe and started taking classes, improv classes, like I, I think I can I think I can do this now. Yeah. Did you know that you were gonna go into improv classes when you moved to Chicago? No, had no idea. Why did you and your friend choose Chicago? Um, cause I had taken a visit here as a, as a kid, probably close to the time of the first picture. And I just remember like our family being like, that was a nice place. That was really cool. And it was, you know, a big city and exciting. And, um, and it, it was, it was in, in large part to that. And my friend Lisa, one, the one person I did know was working in the television business on a show called the untouchables TV show that was being done in Chicago. Um, I had studied television production and she thought I could, she might be able to get me a job as a production assistant. Terrific. Mm-hmm. So now we skip ahead 12 more years mm. to the three-quarter mark of your life so far, where you're 36 years old and you've brought us a photo. Again, we asked for one that you thought was special or memorable to you from an important moment uh, or one that you look back and enjoyed seeing. So this was from when you were 36 years old. This one's a little fuzzy. Let me see. Uh <laughs> Uh, let me do some math. That's a roughly right. Okay. This is me um, outside of my condo uh, that I had bought. Wow. Um, and that was that was a big boy. That was a big boy day. 
Um, I had never, I've never owned a car. Um, I've, I've had use of car and stuff like that, but I had never made even a purchase, um, of car size. Um, so to have a place that was, um, my home was, uh, was a, was a big, was a big, a big deal for me. Certainly makes sense. Now, what, how old were you on the night of the first TJ and Dave show? How old was I? That was 2002, 17 years ago. I was 31. 31. Yep. And if you had to say, uh, if you had to pick a five-year stretch where you were doing your best improv performance, what mm-hmm. would you choose? Um, it was probably right around in there. Um, maybe starting that year or the year afterwards. But I was also, there was a, a long period of time when I was doing six improv shows a week. Right. Uh, so my game was pretty, my game was pretty sharp. And what I- Getting the reps. I was getting a lot of reps and varied, varied reps. Like the show with Dave is two people, hour long, no one's coming for you. It was, there was a Herald team. Uh, when did we do at, at uh, Atlantis? We did Atlantis in- uh, in 2000, basically late 2000 or early 2001 through uh, 2000, early 2003. Okay. And um, those were really good shows. And those were very different shows. A lot of um, a lot of artistic freedom to them. There was, you know, they were different forms and some were, were really wide open forms. Like yeah. the subject too, which was, is to this day, this may not mean too much to, to some, but um, it was an improvisational show that basically allowed you allowed for it to be okay for you to do just about any weird artistic freaky tough to understand kind of move and it was all going to be okay um so it was probably right around in there yeah 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 that was a great that was a fun show to do the subject and it's funny to think we only did 12 of them yeah and we rehearsed it for close to a year (laughs) which also sounds weird to say we rehearsed improv but uh i don't think that happens all all that frequently with shows. I know that JTS Brown had, yeah. had done that, and then uh, and then the subject. You know, I remember getting frustrated because Alex Fendrich. I mean, we we he directed and he did a tr- f- uh, phenomenal job. Yeah, but he we only. Uh, my recollection is we we only were rehearsing the opening opening yeah. for months long, time. and we and we would meet three hours a week or yep. maybe even uh, three and a half at hours Gil? a week. Yeah, get Guilt Park. Yeah. Or Gill Park, and that I, I just remember thinking, well, when are we going to start moving? When are we going to know what the show is? Right. And also, I was young, you know, I was impatient, um, and not not like actually frustrated with Alex or anything, but that was just kind of my overall mentality. Right, right? It was everything's got to happen so quick, you know, <laughs> and uh, and I really look back at that, and and it feels like a longer experience because it was because of all that rehearsal, but then. Um, you know, I really think, uh, I thought that was a great show yeah. and I think it benefited from, uh, from Alex g- having the patience for us to do that. Yep. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And the last picture, that last picture, here you are. 40, this this it, is something from the last uh, year or two. Yeah. This is Beth and our dog Josie and I, and we're walking up, uh, in a state park in Wisconsin. Beautiful. Um, and it's with the people that are now like. My, uh, my, our little, you know, our little family here, our little small, but mighty family as we describe it. And out in, in nature, 
um, doing doing stuff that we really like to do. A place we're at, kind of at peace, relaxed, and all together. Well, terrific. This has been photographs of your life. It's this been, been uh, great to great to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, good luck. I understand that upcoming. Uh, or just recently, I guess you did the fruits and uh, vegetable <laughs> yes, draft. I did. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you get in the third round? We uh, they cut out. I'd love to know. Uh, what did I pick up? Uh, beets. Oh, nice. Yeah, I Good. got beets. We were yeah. hoping you would. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Rush. Um, here's here's the situation, and this is one I think is a little bit like maybe maybe something you might you might do to me or do for me. Okay. Let's put it that to way. To you. All right. Yeah. You are a contestant on the game show Filler Up. All right. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to give you a container size and an object. And you have to tell me how many of that object <laughs> must go in to fill her up. <laughs> nice. All right. Sweet revenge oh, for yes. you for <laughs> Pound of Feathers. <laughs> and here, unlike, unlike other, unlike other um, uh, game show setups, each time I'm going to give you a larger and larger range uh, into which your answer could fall to be correct. Okay, but cool. you know the right answers. Here I on do. Filler I do. Okay. I've done a little research. All right. There are five rounds, and each time the range of acceptable answers will grow. So for the first round, you get 10% leeway each way, so you'll have a 20% window to Got fit it. in. The second round, 40, 60, 80, up to the fifth round, where you'll have a 100% window, 50% either side, to Terrific. fit to fit it in. Filler up. Filler up. <laughs> All right, here we go. And each round, if you get it correct, you get to keep the prize. Oh, All right. This is, could be good. It could be terrible. Uh, it could be. So in round one. How many Tide Pods can <laughs> fill in? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> so, Rush, um, round one. Yes. The container is a one-pound bag. The yes. object are Jelly Belly Jelly Beans. How many will fill her up? Oh my god! I only got ten percent on this. Yep, you have a twenty percent window, ten percent either way for a one-pound bag. Yep. of Jelly Belly beans. I I should. <laughs> yeah, my uh, friends at home, uh, <laughs> they're gonna laugh at me because I'm not great with these sort of okay. things. But let me. Uh, am I allowed to puzzle it out a bit with sure, you, or do take I just your time. Need to give... you got no, right. no clock? So no the way clock I'm gonna think about it up. is just recently I bought. Um, some Sour Patch Kids. The reason I bought these Sour Patch Kids is because a friend of mine, having listened to a, a <laughs> podcast I did where I talked about candy drafts, said you go left ahead, out plug, sour. Go ahead, plug the podcast. That's uh, it was called Here's the Situation. Oh, I love that. Yes. I love, I'm a, so uh, rated and reviewed as should everyone. Yeah, as yeah, please five stars. Uh, I. I got a message from my friend Dave Phillips who said it was criminal that you left Sour Patch Kids <laughs> off. And I am now furious with Dave Phillips because I've had Sour Patch Kids twice since then after <laughs> probably 10 good years of not having them. And they're delicious. But I had a bag and it was probably half a pound of Sour Patch Kids. Okay. And inside that was probably something like I did. I will I will admit I did not finish it. But I came close. Mm -hmm. And there were probably something like 50 Sour Patch Kids in there. And a Jelly Belly is probably half as big as a Sour Patch Kid. So I would think about 100 and a half. So I'm going to say 200. But then that sounds a little high to me to say 200 Jelly Bellies would be in a half-pound bag. So I'm going to I'm gonna pull down and I'm going to say 140 Jelly Bellies in a pound bag. Uh, I, I thought what you were doing, I thought your math was going to work out for you there with with it being, well, the answer is 400. Whew. I two. thought we were saying in a hundred something, and if it was if there was two, then that would be two hundred, and then that was a half pound bag, and then if you got up to the pound bag, it would have been four hundred. So I was right. If I, I just would have so. stuck with my guns, because what it was was in a half pound bag of right. Sour Patch Kids, 
there were about 50. 50 yeah. And so if I did a pound of Sour Patch Kids, it would be 100. And then and then I said, no, I, I still would have missed. Okay, I great. still would have missed. Gotcha. Right, so it was 400. So you had the 380 to 420 leeway. So you don't get the one-pound bag. Close. Couldn't be close. Yeah, you don't get the one-pound bag. Of jelly bellies. Um, but here's round two. All and right. now you have a 40% window. 20% uh, either way. Okay. It's a five-gallon bucket. We're going to fill it with golf balls. How many does it take to fill her up? Fill her up. Fill her up. All right. Golf balls, uh, five gallon. Ooh, that's a big That's a big thing. So it's a good size bucket. A gallon. Um, I'm thinking about like a gallon yeah, the of bucket milk. you might see someone playing drums on on a, yeah. on a sidewalk. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking that um, I, I, I do occasionally frequent the driving range. And in a large bucket of balls, which is... Not going to be five gallons, but might be somewhere in the two to three gallon range, perhaps. Um, you know, I'm going to say like a small bucket of balls is probably pretty close to a gallon, and they get around 60 to 80 golf balls in there. So I'll take the median of that. I'll say 70 per gallon. I'll say 350 golf balls in a five gallon thing. Rush, you just want a five gallon bucket yes! of golf balls. All right. According to my research, the uh, the answer is uh, 315, but that gives you a window from 252 Ooh. to 378, and you have won round two in a five-gallon bucket of driving range balls. Oh, thank goodness. All right, Rush, round three. You have a 30% uh, chance on either side, a 60% window. In a gallon jug, we're going to fill it with plain M&Ms. How many does it take to... Fill her up. <laughs> I'm not sure I want them. Uh, okay. Oh my gosh. A full gallon of plain M and M's. Plain M and M is. Uh, oh boy, they they are tiny. I mean, there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So let me think about if I filled like a, a solo cup up with M and M's. The base, even the bottom layers, can be like eight, eight of them, and then that's going to get a little bigger as it goes up, and there'd be like twenty layers of that. So maybe like 160 just in that cup, and then how many cups of that? Now, if would... you pour that cup into a f- uh, gallon jug, yeah, and then fill up the rest of the jug, how much <laughs> do you have? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm going slow. I'm going slow. <laughs> I just uh, didn't know how you're gonna do it from there. Uh, no, I'm. I'm just thinking how many solo cups go into a gallon, mm-hmm. and I think it's you know gotta be close to like I'm gonna say uh, seven. No, I'm gonna say 2,200 M Ms. I'm sorry, Rush. Dang. You're low. Okay. You're low. According to our research, 3,993 plain mm. M&Ms. One thing I saw said 3991. The other said 3995. Oh, okay. So I, I, I hit the mean on this one. And uh, so you had a range of 2664 to 5324 <laughs> yeah. for that one. So I you, felt a little low at the end. I really did. We're I, not sending you home with that. That's uh, okay. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, round four, this is the one you want to win. Okay, good. It ain't easy, but this is the one you want. Oh, good. Rush, you have uh, 80% window. You have 40 on either side. Yes, good. We've emptied out the golf balls from your five-gallon bucket, and okay. now we've filled it with pennies. How many pennies are we going to get in a five-gallon bucket? 40% either side. All right, so a plain M&M. 4,000 of them can go into one gallon. So if a plain M&M and a penny are the same size, then I can get 20,000. No. <laughs> yeah, 20,000 pennies into a five-gallon jug if it was M&M. So if I wanted to put M&Ms in to a five-gallon jug or bucket, I can do 20,000. So the question is, how much bigger 
is an M&M than a penny. And my first thought is, I don't believe that an M&M is 40% bigger or smaller than a penny, which might make me just want to say 20,000 because I got 40% either way. But if I had to say which is bigger, I think an M&M has just got to take up some more space. And so I'm going to add, I'm going to start with 20,000. And you said I want to win this. That's $200. So I'm going to say, I'm going to add like, I'm going to add like 30% on top of that. That's going to be 6,000 more. I'm going to say 26,000 pennies could go into a five-gallon jug. I'm sorry, Rush. Damn it. I'm low? You're low. Uh, according uh, to our research. So a penny's that much smaller than an M&M. I get Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe an M&M eats up and it's a more regular size. I don't know. I, I don't, don't understand it. Plain M&M does not seem... Maybe it's just like... You know what it is? The pennies probably don't have space. Yeah, I think and there's not as much M&M. in, like wasted mat or wasted uh, area in there. So According to like my 80, research, 52,575. Darn it. So you had from 31,545 to 73,605. You're not going home with the bucket of pennies, mm. but you might go home with our round five. I've done terrible item. here. One out of. I don't blame. I, I, it was gonna be really hard to hit the ten percenter on the jelly billion. Oh yeah, I should have hit these. Well, others. if you thought that was hard, yeah. Wait till you hear round five. Okay. Um, and I know you're probably acquainted with other game shows where the prizes get more and more valuable as we go. Yeah. That's not the case here. <laughs> okay. Um, this this container is a drop of water, and we want to know how many water molecules. Oh no. Are in one drop of water? You have a hundred percent window here. Fifty percent either way. For water molecules in one drop of water. You could go home with a five-gallon bucket full of golf balls and a drop of water. I'm already pleased with the golf balls. Uh, I mean, that's just more like trivia than... I I can't really... I, I can't. I can't. I know, Not I that know. it's worked, by the way, to you, puzzle them right. out. If you got into moles and Avogadro's number, you might be able to. You might yeah, be able I don't to remember. some of this out. But, right, exactly. Uh, I think you would need to know. But we've since the show has started, we've had this drop of water here, and we haven't had to part with it. Haven't had to part with it yet. I don't know. I'll, I'll say. Um, I'll say eight hundred and fifty million. Ooh, you're low. Uh, it's 1.6 sextillion. It's a one, a six, and then 20 zeros. Okay. Um, so you had between 800 quintillion and 2.4 sextillion. But yep. as it is, we keep we keep the drop of water, <laughs> and you head home with a five-gallon bucket filled with golf balls. Uh, I, I, I should have gotten those pennies. <laughs> Thanks so much for playing. Fill her up! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm as bad as at filler up as you are at pound of feathers. <laughs> I'm terrible at pound of feathers. Uh, I, I kind of liked it, but I puzzled them all out. That's what's embarrassing, right? I should just guess rather than like show a thought process that's wrong. Okay, uh, TJ, we're still in Prince fill up. Yeah. All right, I'm kind of uh, enjoying these little. Uh, we're playing some few games. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is not quite a game show, but we're going to play a little thing called This or That. All right. Head Honcho Division. This is very quick. Okay. I just wanted this or that. Which would you rather yep. be? And this is, so this or that is the simplest game in the world. I like it's it. It's a game Andy St. Clair likes. He, he just gives you two things. You say this or that. But in this one, I want you to think about being the head honcho. Okay. Uh, or there, it's it's things around the head honcho, and you'll, you'll see where it comes from right away. Uh, would you rather be the king or the prince? 
The Prince. Okay. Would you rather be a starting NFL quarterback or a backup NFL quarterback? Starting. Uh, would you rather be a CEO and guide strategy of a company or the CFO and run the books and records and understand the finances of CEO the CEO strategy. Uh, you want to rather be a head chef or you'd rather uh, who who plans menus and designs the dishes or you'd rather be the top uh, sous chef who's actually running and operating it? Sue. Uh, you want to be a director or you want to be a head writer? Director. All right. That's been <laughs> this or that. Very quick one. <laughs> All right, Rush. Yeah, here's one for uh, on Prince for you. Okay. Here's the situation, Rush. Based on print, I'd like you simply to describe the painting or non-family photo you've seen that has had the greatest effect or emotional impact on you. Uh, I would say uh, I saw Starry Night when mm. traveling through Europe. Uh, so I, I wouldn't call myself like a, a great art historian by well no one would mm -hmm. call me that but i did take an art history class in college uh and i enjoyed that i think i think it was there was some reason why you had to do kind of different classes in all sorts of different areas and art history filled out one of my things uh and it was there were three or four classes that i took that i really enjoyed that that i never would have thought yep. going to college uh like i took a class that was called bridges and structures or something like that we all just called it bridges and it was terrific and it was because you had to take uh two lab classes so i took a biology class because huh. i liked biology in high school and then i took this bridge class and the lab component of it while it was interesting uh that was levers and how to distribute the weight and all that uh i, I guess i don't huh. really remember honestly what i remember is just learning all about these incredible bridges and and the uh, professor at Princeton was um, one of the world leaders in this subject, and he would wow. always go. and His his wife, uh, uh, who he would call his like research assistant, would be out, and and she's in all these photos next to the world's like, greatest bridges, and <laughs> he just he loved it. You know, when it's just kind of contagious when somebody like yeah. loves the subject matter so much. So it'd be like the Salgina Tobel. It was all these bridges that you wouldn't really think about, but they're these small bridges in like Switzerland. That are that have like the least uh, wires and other stuff. They just okay. stand on their own. I forget. I'm embarrassed to say. I don't remember suspension and. Well, that's the other types. Yeah. But th these are not cantilevered. Y yeah, mm -hmm. there's a cantilever, but there's a there, there's a very specific name for these. Like, and there's like twenty of these bridges or something, and they're just they're the you know the the absolute cream de la creme <laughs> or cre creme de la cream or cream de la creme <laughs> of of bridges. But anyway. Uh, I took that art history class and I, I liked it. And then when I finished law school, I did what a lot of people do, which is they go on a what they famously call a post bar vacation. Okay. So you take the bar exam, which is brutal. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, now Illinois, it's not the hardest state to pass the bar, so I'm not going to pretend like uh, that it's it's some huge accomplishment. But Cal it ain't California no is hard either. But the test is hard, and the test in in a lot of places is designed. It's a it's the, the multiple choice section is designed to give you two good answers, right? Okay. And so you have to you have to take which one is slightly better and why, right? So it's a it's a taxing uh, day while you do that, and also you've spent a lot of time studying. It's just it's a very unfun process. So post bar trip is nice because the bar exam happens and law firms start uh, their new associates. 
a couple months later. Okay. So a lot of people take vac- vacations during that stretch. And I did something that I'll probably never get to do again, and that is I took 50 days in Europe. Whoa. So I flew out, and I remember I had to borrow some money from a friend of mine. We were both getting ready to start at the law firm, and uh, I had to borrow a little bit of money just to be able to like make my rent because I was going to do this big trip. Uh, the <gasps> trip cost a lot. It was like gotta be. Uh, it's like twelve thousand dollars or something like that to do the whole thing. Stayed in you know thirty dollar a night places, sure. uh, but j- just the airfare, and then we-, we splurged a couple times. But it was so great. I mean. I'm not going to bore everybody, but I could I could talk forever about that trip. I, it's just it was it was terrific, but I didn't have because as I said I, I hadn't started work yet. I I don't have any money. I'm in debt. I'm in debt. You know, not only in <laughs> other ways, but also to a friend of mine. Uh, and I need to be, you know, relatively thrifty. Yeah. yeah. With judicious with your spending. And so the greatest thing you can do is you're traveling all through, especially, I'm sure all of Europe, but for me, it was early parts of the trip in Western Europe, was I went to a lot of museums mm-hmm. for free. And I knew which days were free to go into the various museums. And I spent hours and hours and hours. And my my budget for the day would be like, it's uh, basically $40 to $100 for the hotel, whatever that would be. And I'd buy like a sandwich and then I'd have ten dollars set aside for the audio guide and i would put on the because i i gotta have the audio okay, guide yeah. <laughs> when i go through because then i'll remember more stuff about it but at the musee d'orsay in paris seeing that van gogh painting i was i don't know why but it, that was just one of those moments yeah. right where they say like what when do you buy art well you buy it when you have to right you know but in the same way for me it's like when do you like love art it's it's like you just know i mean i was like wow yeah. i am and and I think it came. I think I know why. And it is. I grew up. My mom is a watercolor painter and has done paintings her whole life. And she loves artwork. And in my bathroom as a kid, we had several Van Gogh. You know, small like. Um, I, I guess what I'd say it's close, maybe to like a tablet or something. But but where the paint is actually done by somebody else recreates the the Van Gogh on like this thing. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's not on a canvas. It's on more like a piece of pottery, but turned into a, a more solid thing that that hung on the wall. So we had those in my bathroom uh, from all these Van Gogh uh, paintings, and so I guess I just liked them and and had this like nostalgia and memories and everything from them. And and his style was specific and so when i saw that i I just that that had of any piece of art i've ever seen at one point in time the other one that that hit me like that i was interested and surprised by was the piet mondrian uh the the paintings where he does they usually have like uh vertical black lines and then it's just a bunch of squares yeah and then there are red yellow and blue like little squares of dots of color within there and he has a bunch of different ones for for whatever reason those uh, I just love too. No kidding. Yeah. So like, um, if I weren't so lazy, I would get you know a knockoff or a very cheap like Mondrian and hang it in my in my house because I love those. Can you let me just ask you just a tiny little bit more about that because those do absolutely nothing for me. Yeah. And to the point where like I just can't see the the appeal. What um, 
emotion feeling or is it uh, or what what is what is going on in you if you can put a name to it when you look at that is it is it a fascination or just purely aesthetic like no, I it's think that's aesthetic. pretty it's uh, aesthetic it's, yeah. because I what I think it plays to for me is I mean I like different different things but I think I'm very analytical even though I can't guess the damn <laughs> Uh, how many golf? <laughs> Those things were rigged, man. No, there's, no, there's no, no way. Rigged. Those were fair. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm very analytical, and I like, I like order. Okay, cleanliness, you know. And there's just something about those Mondrians that it was just. So I, I got really, really tired because the way the way your my most art museums are set up is when you take the audio tour, they they do it chronologically, which okay, makes sense, yeah. and so. I don't care for Renaissance paintings, mm-hmm. and I I really don't care for like uh, all of the old religious paintings yep. because it's it's so tiring to have the same subject again and again and yep. again. And so then, uh, my favorite, for sure, like it, my favorite by far are the Impressionists, and then the following up Expressionists. Uh, so that time period and. Uh, Again, I'll demonstrate some ignorance and how quickly I forget things, but let's say that was around like, you know, 1880 to 1930 or something, uh, something kind of like that. And so you would come out of like Renaissance and then you'd get into all these like Dutch paintings about like uh, the ocean and you'd see all these ships and everything. And I, I, I did like those mm-hmm. a lot, but it was not until the Impressionists that would really grab me, right? And then I, I like those, but then you start getting bored because you see people doing the same type of thing again and again chronologically. And then there were a few steps after the Expressionist where it, it started to get too messy for me, too chaotic, and I that wasn't appealing to me. And so then Mondrian is one of the first to come and be much much simpler and cleaner uh, on, as a follow-on. And I think that contrast to it made me say just in some moment, right? It hit me and I said, oh, I really like that. And then once you know, because his stuff is very memorable, right? Even mm-hmm. though you don't like it, yep. you're like, you, you'd be able to recognize one of his things from 10 miles away. I think that's what did it. Gotcha. Very cool. How about you? What would be? Um, a couple different things I've done it. Uh, as a kid, uh, there was a there was a, a very wealthy man named Armand Hammer, Um who I think I only remember because the, the first eight times I heard it, I thought they were saying Arm and Hammer. Mm-hmm. That's usually yeah. how it's pronounced. But uh, I think he was like Occidental Petroleum, but he had this massive art collection that he toured the country. He you know put it on display all across the country. And for some reason, it came to my town. It came to Holyoke, Massachusetts. Nice. We were the smallest town. It was you know it was like San Francisco, New York, uh, you know Atlanta, Boston, yeah. and then for some reason Holyoke. It's like and, your train line. Yes, you would <laughs> and there was a painting. I believe it was by Rousseau called. Salome dancing before Herod, and that's the first time I think I saw something in person that I just wanted to to stare at. It was just it was you know mesmerizing to me. And the last time it happened was in London. We went to the Tate, and um, and almost obverse of you or converse, I guess. Uh, um, I um, for whatever reason, I'm I'm a, I'm a reader and I love facts. I don't really read the plaques of the paintings. I just kind of walk by and wait for one to to hook me. So I'm not even sure the name of this. I can get you close, um, but I don't know who did it. And it was called something like Carnation Rose Lily Rose or Rose Carnation Rose Lily. Um, and it was um, it it mesmerized me in that 
in that same. It's still life. It's, yes. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it's, it's women in, um, and there's flowers and, but I think you're all, you're supposed to be left with maybe it's, it's either, they're either titling the flowers or they're titling the, 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 um, the ladies in the picture. Right. Um, the other one who does it to me and I've never seen any of them in person is an artist named Maxfield Parrish. Um, and his is mostly like the use of color. I, I love to look at it. He's rarely in fine art galleries cause he was considered, um, I'm going to like a, almost like a poster artist. If I, I think there was a Nestle's commercial okay. that was basically like a Maxfield Parish of this woman kind of in like this almost sheer robe. And usually they're laying by like oh. still very, very blue pools. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I know. I, or there'll I know be like little Harlequins hanging up Chinese lanterns and stuff. Yeah. Like th- those yeah are, I'm with you. That's those, those are Maxfield Parish. And I'm, okay. and I'm really entranced by, by his, by his stuff. I like, yeah. I like a lot of, uh, it seemed like they used to be that was more of a thing is is kind of a specific style for poster art. Yeah. Um and there was I think it's it's sometimes considered commercial art sure. so they don't, you know, they kind of look down at it, but it was like in Chicago we see a lot of like paintings, old paintings that were for like for the South Shore line, but they are like they're they're an artsy watercolor of the skyline or right. whatever with a train going by or whatever where they 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 could have been standalone art pieces but they were made I think for commercial purposes. Nice, good stuff. Uh, we probably wouldn't talk about art too often, but you know, oh, yeah. you got the prints <laughs> right. fill up. Uh, great. And so I'm going to take us right back down, right <laughs> back down Please into do. just Please garbage do. pop culture like sideshow here. And that is here's the situation <laughs> you are on the panel deciding the King Ralph Awards. The King Ralph Awards are awards that are given, they're very important. They're given every year to the most absurd scenario movies that haven't previously been given the award so prince philip made me think of it a bit i did some research on prince philip and then i didn't use any of it Good. uh he but had a very interesting life but i i really didn't know much about him because i was born a little too young so i just kind of was born or when i was coming of age and i was like i was like oh well it's prince charles and lady die right and i didn't know about the whole thing about why there isn't a king right now uh-huh. and why because prince philip's marriage in there that that messes it all up for you know poor so and so and whatever but anyway I, I don't care i'm not into the royal family but my favorite royal family thing is how stupid the premise of king ralph is where uh, you know every single royal gets electrocuted in the family photo and then it's john goodman de- designated survivor right so he's got to show up and becomes the king so one of the most outlandishly, obviously absurd premises in movie history, the awards are named after it. And the reason you were brought in is you're a baseball uh, expert. Oh, so okay. they wanted to start with, there's a baseball division this year, and there's three up. And we want to know, you rank them, most to least deserving of the King Ralph Award, <laughs> okay. which means most absurd to least absurd. Uh, one is Little Big League, mm. where uh, someone passes away, who owns a baseball team leaves it to his grandson, and the grandson basically operates as like, you know, GM and uh, and president of a of the Minnesota Twins and guides them, you know, of course, to success. Okay, so that's that's one. Yeah, if uh, it, I, I would have moved this, to, uh, is is that a, that's a real that's a real thing? These are all real movies. Okay, great. I'm tell you, okay. every one of these is a real movie. Next one I was is say that's not. I, th- I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next one is Rookie of the Year, uh-huh. yep. in in which uh, a a young child uh, has uh, a broken arm, and yeah. okay. they like 
uh, super tendon, super yeah, tendon him yeah, or whatever. Is, is, he gets this like absurd um, surgery and everything that allows him to all of a sudden throw faster than basically anyone in the major leagues. Right. So a little kid goes out there and becomes the uh, the star pitcher for one of the top major league baseball right. teams. Uh, third is Ed, and Ed is uh, involves Matt LeBlanc and a chimp who plays third base. So there's this chimp, uh, absolute heater of an arm, who uh, is used to play third base for a major league baseball team. All right. All right, so you got those three. Uh, which one wins the Ralph, and which one uh, gets Ralphed right out of here at the bottom? Ed gets the Ralph. Ed gets the Ralph. Okay. Ed gets the Ralph. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there is a scene in Ed where Ed throws the ball through the first baseman's first baseman glove, and it leaves like a seared circle. Where the ball has gone through and the the leather has been melted off, which I think he'd have to throw at about six thousand miles an hour for that to occur, and, and just as unbelievable with as easily distracted as a chimpanzee is. Like you've seen them, the whole like someone someone just hold on to one, they can't stop fiddling with their hair, with their face, with you know like yeah. grabbing whatever's on the table. There's no way he's going to no stand chance. at third for yeah. nine innings. He gonna, he's not going to get into ready position. <laughs> By the way, the most the most unbelievable thing is Matt LeBlanc is a professional baseball player, but. <laughs> okay, so that that wins the Ralph in in what's uh, what what gets second? Um second is going to be uh rookie rookie of the year. Okay. The- yeah. I'm torn on these. I'm torn on these. Just like his tendons were. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he came back faster than ever. Because the, there could almost be... You know what? I'm going to say um, the the second most unbelievable is rookie of the year. I'm okay. going to say that. Okay. So now we're going to put that up against last year's winner in the baseball division, which is Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. in which a, an <laughs> Iowa man builds a cornfield, uh, builds a baseball field... It, in his cornfields in the backyard, and then uh, a bunch of uh, great dead baseball players roll out of that cornfield and play games of baseball, uh, only to lead to his own dead father coming out to play a game of catch with him. That seems kind of feasible to me. That one seems feasible. <laughs> that one seems kind of feasible. I, I, to me, that's the all-time. That's your all-time Ralpher when it comes to baseball. But you're putting Ed ahead of that. Uh, Ed, Ed still is number one. Okay. Uh, then, then, then field of dreams. I would put there. Um, the, the reason I'm going to take, I'm going to take little big league as being the most believable is that you could almost the way baseball is getting into metrics and, and second level statistics and all of that stuff that you almost could get a kid who's like an autistic, like a, a, uh, mathematic savant or whatever yeah. who can crush numbers and value and and all of that stuff that they, they that they could actually you know um, something about that seems like that could uh, tease a little bit of feasibility yeah well the other thing that's feasible about it is that that could actually work even if he was a chimp mm-hmm. because you could have a chimp be the 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 owner president gm and then just the assistant gm runs the team right and right. so you you could have some just total clown up in the box now obviously it's it's absurd and right. the fans would lose their mind right <laughs> like we gave it to a 12 year old to run this team so it's it's implausible to be sure yeah but it's way more plausible than a chimp that can throw a ball six thousand miles an hour <laughs> somehow plays on this actually this human-based baseball team and i think significantly more plausible than someone builds a, a baseball field in their backyard and out come those folks um well, but anyway, you did a great job. Thanks. Uh, and so they say, we'd love you to give us a few nominations for uh, what what could win the overall Ralph this year. Oh, okay. uh, Some of the least 
reasonable premises in movie history. I mean, the winners in the past have included things like Armageddon, where they fly a bunch of people up on a spaceship oh, to right. blow up an asteroid on there. Um, you know, well, we don't allow for like fantasy and sci-fi type stuff really to to get in there too much. It's got to be something that they they pretend. Um, in fact, you know, to give you one other category, which I meant to do, but I skipped over it for some reason. Um, I was hoping that Little Big League 2 was, uh, it starts sad, that kid actually dies. But he leaves the baseball team to his younger to brother, baby. who who just hires his friends to play to play every every position. Ooh, yeah. So it's only six-year-olds all the way around, and they, all the and way they around beat the, the Yankees. Yeah, yeah they, they have every kid get uh, get elbow surgery. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, here was the other category I was going to give you, which are um, body change type movies. Oh, okay. Which, uh, which one wins the Ralph and which one is the least, uh, is the most believable? First is Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman uh, switch bodies because they pee in a fountain at the same time. Okay. And somehow that changes their uh, right. thing. Uh, next one is Tom Hanks in Big. Uh-huh. Uh, goes to the Zoltan machine. Right, Zoltan. Uh, makes yep. a wish and ends up big. Uh, ends up you know, doing some weird stuff. For instance, having sex with yeah. a, a an adult, yeah, and then goes back to a child, and she kind of looks at him somewhat wistfully. <laughs> and I'm not sure one, he was the one that got away. I'm not sure, or just the one that I have to wait a long time for now. Again, well, I mean, it was just pretty odd, right? Because <laughs> when I means people people throw that right to the side once once you remember the Robert Logia, Robert right? Logia yeah, yeah. No, you get up, you, you play that. the chopsticks. Nah. But Spit out some caviar, play some chopsticks. You you forget all there's that There's a lot weirdness. of horrifying stuff in that movie. <laughs> horrifying stuff. Uh, and then the third one there is uh, Face Off, where Nicolas Cage and John Travolta oh, yeah. uh, play characters where they just actually have their faces switched with one another. Absolutely. And it works fine. Um, absolutely last place on the King Ralph is Face Off. Okay. You think uh, that, that's not that crazy? No. We're, we're, we, we can pull that off. Um, the, uh, second, second, uh, first runner up is the pee and fountain switch. Okay. There could be some sort of electrical thing that you, you know, zap, zap. Um, Zoltan, Zoltan's the most, uh, Okay, Zoltan's most, the, the Just wishing king, to become big the king Ralph. and then go back down. Okay. And so if you had to pick a King Ralph, not worried about categories, one or two, just unbelievably far-fetched, absurd premises like the King Ralph movie. Oh, here, here's a a horrible one on on multiple levels. The toy. Okay, I don't I don't remember the toy. Jackie Gleason buys Richard Pryor for his son. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's bad. It's the worst. Yeah. It's pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. And and that seems like that movie should have to be a lot older to have been made at all. Right. You're not so much attacking it as a totally absurd premise as you're attacking it as a wildly offensive decision to be greenlighted as a film. <laughs> and an absurd premise. Yeah. And an absurd premise. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, when you look at a lot of them, they're they're pretty they're pretty like the basic the basic setup of Twilight's pretty messed up, right? There's tons of kids that are vampires and werewolves. Right, right. I'm, I'm saying let's, tr- for the most part, okay. try to try to oh, gotcha. not do sci-fi. And uh, why did Brewster have to spend all the money? because uh, his his honky, as he said, uh, grandfather, right, or great great uncle, or whatever it was, um, was just a weirdo, <laughs> and he wanted to just mess with him. 
So it was in order to he, – he was worth, I want to call it a billion dollars, uh-huh. right? And he said, you get a whole billion dollars, but only if you can spend $30 million in 30 days and finish it with no assets whatsoever. Okay. Now, you were allowed to um, – you were allowed to give ten percent to charity, um, and you could, you know, do ten percent destruction of property or whatever it was. But you couldn't, you know, they were clear that you couldn't uh, buy a bunch of nice paintings and chop them up into firewood. You couldn't have any assets at the end, but you also couldn't destroy okay. uh, stuff like that either. And so, if he could do that, if he could spend thirty million in thirty days with no assets left at the end, then he got the billion. As to why that kind of tickled the old man. Uh, I don't remember. I mean, he gives an explanation, but it's mostly that he's a crotchety old coot, and um, he he uh, he doesn't want anybody really to get his money. Okay. But so Brewster's trying to get a million for a billion for it. <laughs> um, what else premise? I'm trying to think of. Beth and I laugh all the time. Um, there's a TV show called Castle that oh, yeah. I've seen. You know, episodes here and there, but the beginning is always in like. I think in voiceover, it's like, due to a friendship with the mayor, he gets to, like, solve crimes with the cops. But they just, like, <laughs> they just kind of leave it there. I think it's like, due to his friendship with the mayor. Right. It's just to, like, so lazy. don't ask any more questions. It's so lazy. Like, <laughs> At that point, just have him in there. Right. You know? Don't even... I mean, right. have you seen that... Um, there's a great uh, John Mulaney bit on Back to the Future about that. You've uh-uh. seen that where it's like... He's like... He's like the weirdest thing about Back to the Future is that uh, not the time travel, but that uh, Marty McFly's like best friend is a disgraced <laughs> nuclear physicist, and they don't explain it at all. And he's and he says he, he's like they don't even like make it lazy. Like he was his professor for right. a while. They just go all the way, and I respect that. So I would do the same thing with castle uh-huh. and just have him out there solving <laughs> solving crimes with the and he's cops. a writer i think he's like a yes like, he's a yeah he's like a world world known best-selling writer right he yeah for like to, like isn't it like detective type fiction yeah so that's hang how out with the cops can, yeah um so i'm trying to think of a movie premise that is is sort of like that where they just right off the top of like you know like hey no the elephant can fly now let's now let's get we, we are we done with it right enough questions right let's move on um so I'm trying to think of some movie that starts with that where where you like you are quickly asked to like just forget all that man like right. we, we got stuff to do here we got a movie to show you yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna do this the whole time hey, due we'll to his friendship with the mayor the elephant can fly <laughs> right. get off our back. <laughs> uh, I don't think I did a good job of answering that. Did you? No, no, that's fine. That's okay. it. Was good. It was good. Uh no I I King Ralph is always just cracks me up as the most absurd premise because a lot of people couldn't get by like the shape of water but that falls into that that falls into that realm of like wait we're 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 in we're in a fantasy yeah. realm right like yeah and maybe even like big wasn't a, a great example for me to give because that's a little bit of a fantasy thing but like those baseball ones <laughs> they crack me up because they're asking you to like kind of believe that this like I don't know they're like hey yeah. Here you go. The chimp plays it, baseball. It feels like there's a lot of baseball stories that might not have been told. Does it have to be? You know, like yeah. there's probably still stuff to do that. I don't that think you don't have to go to that it. far. I don't think they needed to make that movie, <laughs> right. and I, I don't think the box office oh. thought they needed to either. How about Air Bud? Yeah. All right. That yeah. was unreasonable. Yeah. There were like six or seven Air Bud movies. They did really well. Yeah. Right. So are we back to the uh, beginning? Oh, right. We... I'm sorry. We we have one more. So Rush. Um, here's the situation. 
A crime scene investigation team is going to go to your house and dust for prints. They will be able to detect fingerprints from the last month. And I'd like you to guess what they will find in answer to a few of these questions. Okay. How many sets of uh, prints will they find in your home? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Um, Other than doorknobs, your phone, your keys, the refrigerator, and anything in the bathroom, let's say, what three objects will they find the most set of your prints on? Good question. Can you give me the uh, things that are excluded one more yeah, time? Yeah, and, and and maybe you can help me to make make a, a like a, a you know a classification of this thing, like doorknob, um, your phone, which obviously is like you know a daily, the keys, the fridge, and anything in the in the bathroom. So kind of like I guess non essential non essential items or objects. I guess is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You'll find on the uh, on the computer, okay, on the desktop computer. You will find. You know, it, it frustrates me, so it's probably not true, but it, I I I have this glass desk that I love, and the glass desk is up. It's in my bedroom, but it's up against. I have a window in my bedroom that looks north out onto the lake, mm-hmm. and I think it's a really nice view there. And so I love that, like, I love to sit at that desk, and that's where when I'm working from home or where I have to take a call on the weekend, I almost always do it from there. I just like it. Great. And it frustrates me because I'll, I'm oh, always getting, fo- yeah, <laughs> right. I'm always, like, getting my fingerprints on that glass desk, right. which uh, which I wish I, I need to clean better, I guess. Um, and then the third thing... I guess, I mean, I hate to say it, and I really don't think I watch that much TV, but I I, I got to think it's a TV remote control. Yeah, that definitely would be on, on mine. How about you? What are your- uh, it would be, yeah, it would be the re- the remote for sure. Probably this iPad. I touch that all the time. I don't really use the computer so much anymore. Um, man, if they could dust that dog for prints, holy crud, does Josephine have a lot of, like, kisses and and fingerprints on her okay they could dust josie all right um what item or two rush will they find only one set of your prints on okay and this is for a month for a month toothbrush (laughs) (laughs) now we can start bringing in these bathroom items (laughs) yeah uh the toilet the the shower yeah uh no what would so one or two items that yeah. were only touched if, once. Uh, two if one flies to mind, but if if it's a if it's a real puzzler, then one's fine. Uh, the microwave. Okay, I then I have more prints on oh, your microwave. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you have for sure used my you for sure use my microwave more often than I have. I'll reheat my coffee four different times in yeah. in, in a three hour period. I, well, I never had a sip of coffee, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably one once a month is almost exactly for that, and then. Oh, you know, I'll tell you, this is kind of embarrassing, but one yeah. weird thing that I do is there are some times where I, I I'm struggling to kind of get to sleep, and I'm it's not insomnia, but I'm I just for some reason I kind of don't want to go to sleep, mm-hmm. and so I'm I watch TV later than I should, and I'm so tired. That I don't walk down the hall, like, because I wake up, I'm basically a zombie. Yep. It's maybe like two in the morning, and I just, I go and I sleep in the guest bedroom. (laughs) 
And that I don't know that that happens once a month. It might be it's probably happened four times since I've moved to my apartment. But I mean, what is my problem? Like, that is the laziest, stupidest <laughs> thing in the world. Buddy, sometimes you just can't make it. But I'm just it's not even that I can't make it. It's for some reason like I want to I just I'm like, oh, it's. The, I, I'll be more comfortable in this this other room. I'm just nervous about like going to my bed for some reason. <laughs> and I don't I really don't know what it is. It's it's like I think it's it's like this thing where you know, I I think we talked about it before but uh, it, the human condition is an odd one, right? Because we're all going to die and it's terrifying, but uh-huh. we, we don't spend a ton of, most of us don't spend a ton of time thinking about it. But I would say the vast, vast majority of time that I spend thinking about I'm going to die occurs very late, like in the middle of the night. Maybe I wake up and sleeping or, um, or it's just really late. And, and, uh, Every now and then, it's rare, but every now and then I'll just have... It's not a panic attack. I mm-hmm. don't get to that level, and I don't want to pretend to the the people that have to deal with those that I have anything close. But just every now and then, I'll just be like, I, I, I can't like bring myself mm-hmm. to go into that bed where I'm just not feeling it right now. All right. I think that's what's <laughs> driving it. I don't know. I've, uh, that's, that's, that's fascinating. I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. I can't really just, I'm trying to figure out why I do it as we, as we speak. It's probably honestly just cause I'm lazy, but I'm trying to give myself some, some sort more, of some more, heavy uh, duty. Yeah. I'm, I'm just over psychoanalyzing myself. I have a, a couple more questions for okay. you, but the CSI team expands their investigation to, ex- to include everything you've touched anywhere over the course of the last month. Right on. What's the most valuable thing with your prints on it? Nothing. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's many things that are worth more than a thousand dollars that I would. T- I mean, I don't know. I guess I, t- I touch like you'd find my fingerprints inside of many, many cars. So okay. I guess whatever. Probably the nicest Uber that picked me up. Or okay. I use Lyft actually, not Uber. So the nicest Lyft that picked me up that month. How many restaurants will they find your prints in? An embarrassing number. I mean, there's 30 days in that month. Uh, they'll probably find me in 37 different restaurants. Okay. Um, and last question, Rush. Whose prints are most commonly found in places with yours? I mean, you know, it's a way to, way to make me feel lonely there. <laughs> um <laughs> This is just an academic investigative way to find out who you spend who you spend your time with. Um It's a very difficult question because you know, I I work a ton but I'm not in the Chicago office all that often. So I don't think it's going to be somebody I work with in Chicago. Do you travel? I I I know that you travel often. Do you often travel with um, a a team or a, yeah? But it's different people or... all the time. Oh, okay. So I'll have. Mm, I I I I don't know. So I'll just say it would be it would be one of my coworkers. So if it's just the last month, okay. Um, it would probably be one of my one of my coworkers who's working on the main case that I'm working on now okay. and has done some of these travel trips with me. Great. Great. 
They wrap up. They wrap up their box. I th- you you were came, you came very close to guessing. Uh, there were there were actually thirteen different sets of prints in your home. <laughs> and it was I could only miss by ten percent, so I could only. Mm. You don't get to keep your home. Eleven point seven. I don't get to keep my home. Ah, darn it. Uh, that was here's the situation. Well, I want to thank Nate DeFort for doing our producing. Julie Nichols for the music. Emily Cardamus did the artwork. If you want to get in touch with us, here's the situation podcast at Gmail is the best way to do that. Anything I'm a forgetting, Rush? No. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>